Hello, you're listening to Talking About the Passion. I'm Thomas Irwin. This is a podcast where I interview different independent musicians and showcase their music. As for myself, I'm a singer-songwriter and producer who goes by Niagara Moon. You can look up more about my own music at niagaramoonmusic.com. For episode number 13, we have Dennis Zender. Dennis is the lead vocalist and guitarist for the Seattle pop rock band Marsalis. Marsalis formed in 2014 and quickly gained recognition within the Seattle music community through local radio airplay and music blogs. Since their first release, Marsalis has played sold-out shows in venues such as The Crocodile, and their self-titled EP was named Album of the Year 2016 by Northwest Music Scene. You're going to hear a couple tracks from that EP today, as a matter of fact. First, here's the song, Hope. Changing, changing 
Dennis, thank you very much for coming on today. Hey, thanks for having me. I wanted to know, first off, uh, what is Marsalis? What does that name come from? Um, it's, it, there, there isn't a real, real fun backstory to that. Is it an ode to Wynton Marsalis? It isn't actually at all. Um, it's more or less an attempt to find a name versus, you know, this arrival at this awesome name that we knew was, that meant everything to us. So it really came down to Adam and Teresa w went and watched Wynton perform, I believe. And we're like, wow, that'd be a really cool name. Let's, let's go with it. So it really was more of an accident and Hey, we need out of need more than anything else. We just had a hard time deciding and arriving at a, a name we felt good about and thought it sounded cool and kind of ran with it. Yeah, it can be tricky to find a name sometimes, oh, yeah. especially at this point. It seems like everything's been taken. Yeah, name. there's band names that are sentences long, it <laughs> seems like, so yeah, who knows? It's like you have a new idea, you think, oh, that's a cool turn of phrase or an idea, right. and you Google it, and five different people already claimed it. Right, so it's tough to find a good name. But uh, how many people are in Marsalis? There's four of us. There's uh, myself, I'm Dennis, and Dennis Zender played drum, or, drums. I play the guitar and sing and, and write, and we have Teresa Kadondon. She's our, our keyboardist, mm -hmm. and Adam Bishop's our bassist, and Phil G is our drummer. Nice. And how long you guys been together? We've been playing together for a couple, uh, two and a half years, I'd say, right now. How did you come together? How did, how did the band form? Well, the band formed... I was used. I was playing my own, you know, my own material and doing my own um, one-off stuff because I was in a band prior to that with Adam, and then in, in between the, you know, the exodus of that band and this this new band, I was playing my own stuff and was playing out live, and I needed a backing band, so Teresa and Adam and Phil would back me up in shows, and so that's sort of how it came about. And I've known Phil for, you know, 20 years or so, and I've known Adam for you know about 13, 14 years. It's good to have a rapport. Yeah, with we had going a great in. rapport, and then eventually we decided we want to take some take a new direction with with the group and maybe create something rather than just a you know my stuff and them backing me. We wanted to create our own uh, our own sound and a new band and kind of you know start from there. So that's what we did. Cool. So is the music all by you? You write all the songs? I write a lot of it. It's just a presentation is really what it comes down to. Is the way we write is. Um, the way I write is I, you know, I've always written for my past projects and, and now is I, I take, I write a full song and you know, everything, you know, the, the arrangements when it comes to music, the melody, and then eventually lyric or content. So I'll, I'll bring the whole idea as a whole to the group and then we'll just, you know, massage it and turn it into what we think sounds good. And as a group, and they, you know, everybody kind of kisses it in a way, sort of adds their elements and bass, guitar and drums and whatnot. And that's been the way it's worked a majority of the time. There's been a couple ideas that we have. There's, we have a few in, in, as well where, where Teresa is taking more of a lead and where maybe Adam is taking more of a lead and a, and a vision for a tune or an idea. Um, it just all depends on how you define songwriting because songwriting, it, depending on how you look at it, from an industry standpoint, songwriting really is just the melody and the lyric, right? That's, yeah, that's the majority that's what it of it. comes down to. It really comes down to. So music's kind of, you know, so it really... Blame it on me on this record. That was Adam and Teresa's uh, um, song, a brilliant song, and you know they brought it to table. And it obviously, has been a great track for us on that record. So there's just different ways of doing it. I've, most of the time, yeah, it's it's I'm, I'm bringing the idea there, but there's a lot of growth there too. For yeah, the yeah. So you're like the main songwriter, but the other members of the band really have their own say in in the music, 
at everybody some point, has they, to, they yeah. have their input. Yeah, everybody has to get behind whatever the idea is. It's not going to be just in the producer as well. And we, we work with Evan Morgan Productions up in Vancouver, and he helps dictate that as well. So if it's an idea that feel, we all feel good about and he feels good about it, then off, off we go. If it's an idea that's, you know, doesn't, it's not feeling right, doesn't make a ton of sense, then we just, we may not proceed with that, that idea. Or if it's incomplete, not there yet, then we just keep working it out and try to get somewhere with it. But yeah, it, it's a collective group. We're, we're a team, we're a team unit, and regardless of who contributes the idea or how much of the idea is contributed to whoever, whoever it is in the group, it, the band has to support it, feel good about it, add their own little element to it, so yeah. yeah. How long have you had a producer? We've had, a, we've worked with Evan, on this, are working on our second record right now. So he's our. This is the first time we've worked with Marsalis anyway. This is our first production with uh, an actual producer. Before we worked with uh, Dylan Fan, a good friend of mine, and he engineered. Didn't really produce. He engineered the the record. You know, we've sort of produced it ourselves. You know, brilliant guy knows what he's doing. Real smart. Uh, captures amazing tones. Got a great studio, and I've worked with him for years. So he mm. really acted more as an engineer, and that was out of design. He just you know, he he did that, and we did this. And and if you if we wanted him to produce, we could have. And um, I think at the time we just decided to do go that route. And then Evan mixed that particular recording of this ah. record you have right now, and we really liked that. So we decided maybe we'll just try out try out a, a full record and yeah. see what that feels like with Evan and he plays with us from time to time live too which is kind of nice gives us that fifth member fills out the sound live he's your George Martin yes he is our George Martin absolutely great good I like to have you, one of those I like how you connected those, the dots there on that one yeah absolutely so you Dennis you're from Seattle originally yeah I'm from the Canadian border I'm, I'm from up Ferndale Washington I was born and raised up there in high school and in college and went on up in, up in Whatcom County and then moved down here to join a group um, in like 2003 and that's the reason I came to Seattle is to play music and mm. it's really it's really what I do so and everybody else in the group is also uh, from the area originally yeah no Adams I think uh, he's been yeah he's from the area Teresa as well we've all you know born and raised in, in this, the greater Seattle area I guess is what you'd say yeah, for yeah. them anyway I'm the one from way the heck up far north Phil I think was born in Texas now he lives in Canada I, I don't Forget exactly. His he's an interesting guy because he's he's just all over the place. He's he's living here. He's living there. Um, I don't really know what his nationality even really is. To be honest with you, he's just everywhere. So it's kind of a moving target. Hmm. So you've been part of the Seattle music scene for quite a while at this point. Yeah, I imagine you've seen it change a lot over the years. Yeah, it has. I think the way you approach being in a band's changed. The way you promote a band has changed. Oh yeah. How you write has changed. How you release music and and, and uh, get it into the hands of your fans has changed. And generate an awareness. All that's changed. The grinding, you know, standing outside of shows, handing out flyers, that's gone away because no one needs to do that anymore. They can do that from their their couch with mm-hmm. Facebook, with um, Spotify, with uh, um, Instagram and Twitter. You can generate a following and an interest and an awareness of your band just sitting in sitting in your pajamas at home on a couch. And I think I think it's great. I think it makes, it, it allows, you still have to have the energy and the effort to yeah, do it. And it's still really time consuming. Yeah, you still have to commit to that that idea, but it, it's a lot easier to do it in that sense. But still, a lot of groups don't do that. Um, I think people still, you know, there's, a, there's different ways of doing it. And I believe that whatever it is that you do do, you, got, you, re, you just really have to commit to it. And when you do, people will see that that authentic approach and to yeah. your music and to your to your live show and to your to your marketing and your promotion, and they'll 
I think that's people gravitate towards that when they when they know it's real and it's not not fake. Yeah, having like a creative vision for the band is maybe more important than ever. Like really knowing what your goals are. Um, for Marsalis, like, what would you say the musical vision of the band was going in? What were you trying to, to accomplish? Well, we really wanted to feel that all of us had a pe- had ownership in what we were doing. Yeah. And in general, there's a democracy. Very much. Yeah. It's not a. Um, Adam and myself both led bands most of our lives. We've been usually the, the person, you know, the the driving force behind yeah. the groups we've been in. And of course, you know, I've been the songwriter, the singer. So it's been you know, sort of that alpha mentality. Yeah, Adam the front man. Front man mentality. Adam has the, he has a similar mentality. Even you, you don't let the bass player, the bass player moniker fool you. Adam's an incredible leader and incredible vision, um, driving force behind a group. And he knows how to, how, how to take things to one level to the other and mm-hmm. much it's one of the reasons why we've had so much success. Him and Teresa have been just astounding in, in our marketing efforts and consistency and the commitment to it. But from the musical standpoint, I mean, I'll write a song and I'll bring it and we'll we'll look at it and go, okay. And it, this first record, and you'll see it when our second record is released. It's sort of a, a, a part one and part two. Mm-hmm. They're, they're EPs and we're doing that strategically. But you're going to, you know, the more mellow, relaxed mood of our first release is going to be you know, contrasted and complemented with this more aggressive. You're going to amp it up a little bit. Oh, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be very different, but very not so different that you're alienating anybody. I mean, it's going to feel like Marsalis. It's going to feel like what you're expecting to hear, but just a little bit more energy. So we're excited to showcase that. But I think from a sound perspective, we want to remain modern and unique. But when it comes to writing, it's not about, okay, listen to a song on the radio and go, okay, I want to sound just like those guys. Right, it's not that calculated. It's never that calculated. You just the idea comes from somewhere inside and it is what it is. And then you craft it as a band and it becomes the band. And, and if that's modern, if it sounds good, if it, if it, if it uh, reaches people, if it's um, it echoes in people's minds and hearts and souls and great, and then you're, you're onto something because a lot of the bands that are popular right now with the style or sound that is say modern quote unquote, they were trailblazing that well before what's happening now. I mean, you couldn't be the Strokes without being the Strokes five or six years before the Strokes became right, right. relevant, right? So these things all have to happen. So I think when it comes to music, you're always cognizant of that. When you're writing, you're thinking about, okay, you're not trying to be a trailblazer. You're just trying to make music that's meaningful, that, that yeah, matters to you. You're figuring out what your own voice is. Right. And then that you just somehow fit into the landscape, however that shakes out. Yeah. In terms of your songwriting or even just your musical tastes in general, which uh, which artists are most influential to you? Who are some of your musical heroes? Some of my musical heroes, and I say this every time, Matthew Good from the Matthew Good Band up in Vancouver. I grew up on Canadian radio, so Canadian rock and from the mid to late 90s was hmm. very... My formation as a, as a, as a musician and a songwriter. Yeah. And, and before that, Brian Wilson, and even now, there's... it's. Matt Good's sort of sandwiched between Brian Wilson or the Beach Boys. Just, you know, when I was younger, I just loved the Beach Boys. And he didn't really truly respect and understand what Pet Sounds meant mm. to the musical world. And you get How older, revolutionary that was. However, how the Rubber Soul, the Beatles, how they're kind of compete, or Sgt. Pepper's was a response to it. When you understand the true story behind what went on there, to me, I, I get fascinated by that. I watched this really great show that was recommended to me by a friend, my, one of my friends, Doug. He's, he's a connoisseur of the finest of things. And he said, you got to watch this the show, I gosh, what it's what's it called? Something like the Whalers, the Wreckers. It was a show. The about Wrecking Crew. The Wrecking Crew. I saw that. Yes, yeah. 
It's a great documentary. Fantastic. See, that kind of stuff I just fascinates me. I love it. I could watch those kinds of documentaries days on end. I, I, I just love it because I feel... I love the studio. I love the the art of crafting a song. The just the the, the pre production, the production, the studio it was up there this weekend tracking vocals um, all weekend long. And you know it could be grueling and it's frustrating, but it's also I love that that the grind of it because it's you're building something from the ground. Oh, it's up. just there's nothing like it. And so I love watching documentaries on you know any of those artists back, especially Brian. As a guy was crazy, he just had so much going on. Yeah, but he was he was brilliant and he was this... brilliant. But he also had some serious unchecked mental illness at the yes. same time. It's... Yeah. Did you see uh, what's that movie that came out a couple of years ago with Paul Dano playing him and John Cusack? Oh yeah, yeah. Really I, I don't know oh, Love and Mercy. Yes, I thought that was a great movie. That was too. a fantastic movie. See, those yeah those depictions of him are fairly accurate obviously but there's something about that i mean i think there's a little crazy in all of us that that write and, and you know we're very emo you know as i know i i'm very emotional very passionate person that, that allow you, you can socially it's frustrating because you tend to deal with things very differently you don't have that pragmatic approach whereas when it comes to the arts when it comes to creating when it comes to you know you, you that's where you live that's where you shine that's that's where you that's, that's your purpose how you exist so to me watching reading about those kinds of people these very melodramatic figures identify with that so i love watching and learning and seeing how that also translates into this beautiful music that no one could possibly you listen to a lot of those songs off that record pet sounds for beach boys and you're just like you're younger you're like oh that's really cool now you're older well how did he come up with that how did he dream that up like he knew exactly what he wanted and he's there weren't any computers back then no none and it was like he just dreamed these things up like how did what kind of drugs was he taking? I mean, who knows? But ultimately, there's a there's an authenticity to him. He was just coming up with that stuff. He was, it wasn't drugs. It was it was not infused by anything, but just his mind and, and and his ability to create and envision that was just it's to me it's mind blowing. I love it. Yeah, and he was like half deaf. He couldn't hear out of one ear. That yeah, right. I mean, just all these impediments that make you think, how was this guy accomplishing these things? So artists like that. I mean, I come to a really, it's really inspirational story. Oh, it's just amazing. I love that kind of stuff. I I dig into that, identify with it. This is kind of going back a little bit, but you mentioned um, mid to late '90s Canadian rock. Mm-hmm. So that's not something I really know too much about. But it was that again, like a totally separate thing from grunge. Yeah, actually, it's funny you asked that because at that time, I was still very cognizant of the end, 107.7, the end is our Seattle station. Here's our flagship uh, 90s alternative station that everybody was listening to and still do. 90s rock in Canada, it was just different. It, yeah. it was it was a response to the grunge movement, obviously. There was a bit of those elements there, but it was still different too, see? There was like this, it was a neat thing about Canada. It's like, it's whole, it's another country, obviously, but it doesn't feel like it. And you go up there, and they have their own festivals. And I remember Matt Good saying something about this in, in an article I read recently, where he was like, there was a time, because like, people asked, what was it like being in a band? You, know, yeah, you resented yeah. the fame, you hated it. But at the same time, it must have been pretty exciting to be winning these awards. He just turned, he didn't even show up and receive the, there are, they're called Juno Awards up there. It's the equivalent of a Grammy down here. He wouldn't, he wouldn't take the award. He wouldn't show up to the awards. He would never. Couldn't t- be bothered. Couldn't be bothered. So it was like this, he had this sort of attitude, like, I don't care. But he did reflect back and say it was really awesome to have Canadian festivals that usually are billed with like, you know, the major American acts or around the world and rather that would be headlining these festivals at that time during those mid to late 90s. 
Canadian, whole Canadian acts were headlining those shows. So it was sort of like a testament to how strong that that scene was and how good those bands were. And I, I just felt like that was kind of neat. It kind of it it, it, uh, it spoke to the quality of the music and what was going on in that scene. It had all these really great bands coming out of a city. So yeah, I personally love. It, it was formative because it was just. Yeah, I, I didn't really know any better because I was more. I was hearing more of that music anyway. Right. So. So the Marsalis EP that just came out recently. Yeah. And uh, I heard you received the distinction of Album of the Year from Northwest Music Scene. Yeah, which was pretty cool. Wow, so congratulations. Thank you. How did that come together? I, it was just a, a fan vote. They had a, a few bands that they thought had, had a great record for the year and put it up for a vote, and people voted our, our record as the, the best one, which is... That's the most authentic way to decide that stuff possible, just Well, yeah, just give decide. it to people to decide. And it, That's great. That, yeah, for a five-song EP, beating out some of these amazing bands that were on that list, yeah, we're very honored and flattered by that. Maybe you mentioned a bit about this earlier. Um, where, where did you record it? We recorded that at One Shot Studios in Woodenville with my, my good friend Dylan Fant and great studio. He's actually a fantastic pro- uh, producer, engineer, if anybody wants to get in touch with him, I recommend it. You can come, you, um, you reach out to the band, uh, Smarsalis, and we can direct you to him if you'd like. You know, he does great work. Nice. So is he the guy that really dialed in that pro top 40 sound? Because it's a very polished set of recordings. I think, yeah, him and Evan both did. Um, you know, he tracked everything down and got got things laid out as from an engineering standpoint, mixed it to his, to a level, and then Evan took it and remixed it and, you know, kind of really put a little bit of icing on it, on the cake, really, if you want to call it that, polished it off. But I think they both had a hand in that. When you recorded it, did you really rely more on overdubs, or did you try to record uh, as many people playing at the same time as possible? Like, is it more of a live sound, or is it was it carefully constructed a bit at a time? A little bit of both. I mean, I, we played all the instrumentation, you know, bass was played on it, and Adam played it, I played on it, and drums were, were, were dubbed in. I mean, Phil is a really good drummer, he plays well to a click, and he's very disciplined and self-aware when he's, when he's playing, and so I think it was fairly live, but then we, you know, you overdubbed the, spot, the, the parts in that need to be overdubbed in that make more sense to do that. I mean, I sat down and just tracked all the guitars, I think, in one session, it wasn't too much, but acoustic on some, electric on others, and you just use the Ebo to get the Ebo sound. Oh, the Ebo. The Ebo. So, yeah, it's you overdub in, and but it wasn't this, you know, everybody sat there and we tracked it live, and we got this session sort of feel. It wasn't anything like that. I guess doing the uh, the session feel, that's going for a different sound. It's also it something a little harder to pull off. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm a fan of overdubs myself. Overdubs are great. I mean, as long as, like, from our standpoint, we don't want to create something we can't recreate live. We also don't want to have like tons of tracks behind us that we're playing sort of an inauthentic live show. There's always going to be something there, right, to kind of help us get yeah. that live feel and get the music from the record to the audience in a live setting that makes sense and feels right. But when you're, when you're overproducing, sometimes you feel like you can't reach that, that sound live. And so we, we're always cognizant of that as well. We want to make sure we're representing something that they're hearing. So, and sometimes you can, you, you do the best you can, but that's always our goal. And you said you have a second EP coming up? Yes, we have a second EP. should be coming out sometime in the summer. We don't know exactly when. We haven't pinpointed that time yet, but we finished up vocals, so it's now in final mixing. Oh, so you're almost done recording that, too. Yeah, yeah there's some polish to be added, I, I suppose, but, you know, usually vocals are the last thing to go down, so we're done with that now and hopefully have that released sometime soon. 
And uh, you recently played a sold-out show at the Crocodile. Yeah, it was pretty exciting. We had a lot of bands that, uh, or a couple bands we played with. Uh, um, we played with our, with Moneta and uh, Van Epps for that particular show. Great show, great venue. Yeah, I it's mean, one of the biggest venues in town, right? One of the one of the yeah one of the bigger and better. It's a notable venue. It's got a, a rich history, very authentic, rich history. It's a place everybody wants to play. Yeah. It's hard to get in and. So we're very, very honored and flattered to be playing a venue like the Crocodile. It's, it's, we're very, very lucky. I mean, selling out there can't be easy. How, do you, uh, how did you get to that point? I mean, how many gigs did you guys have to do to, to build up your following to that point? Not a lot. I mean, and it must I, have been a grind. What, well, the, the funny part about that is the bands that Adam and I have been in in the past, it was a grind. You played these venues you didn't care for you 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 did these things you, you, you just because you have to you have to build you have to s- structure it and keep the momentum going keep the momentum going and keep your live show you know polished and all that and for this band we just skipped all of that and we just played a few very strategic shows we've got very professional musicians in the band that that rehearse you know on their own constantly we've got a a metronome for a drummer and and when Evan comes in to play leads, he's our producer. I mean, you can imagine that. You can trust that guy to make sure sounds are where they need him. He dials in my amp for me. I mean, we're very lucky to have all these little pieces that allow us So you us made sure your be, live sound is as polished as can be. So, yeah. And then we just lean on, at first, friends and family to come to the show. And then that sort of sort of to kind of blossom out. And next thing you know, people are literally just buying tickets online. And it's kind of a neat deal. Have you toured around the country so far? In this group, we haven't. No, we've just we've just played up in Vancouver and Seattle, and we've got some festivals lined up that'll take us in the outer reaches of the the Pacific Northwest this summer. But we're open to doing fly-ins. I mean, whatever we have to do, it's at some point if it makes sense. You know, we're not gonna we're not gonna jump into a bus and you know yeah, rough it. Live for, on the road for months at a time. Yeah, or I don't know if you have to do that necessarily right now. Um, yeah. In our situation, if it calls for it, then we're open to what we have to do. But we're just trying to build something solid, you know, regionally, yeah. and then go from there. Yeah, it makes sense. Have you done those kind of tours in the past with other bands where you just My, go to Adam here and, and there have. for weeks at a yeah, time? Adam yeah, Adam and I have, but. Uh, yeah. We've, so what's that like? It's not a lot of fun. <laughs> it, I mean, it's fun, but it's... The part that's fun isn't the majority of the day. Yeah, the majority of your time is is not spent doing what's the most enjoyable. So, and you're you're often reminded of how difficult it is to, to make a living doing it. So, yeah, it, touring is not top of our list. I mean, we all have day jobs and careers and families, and so we're focused on that. Um but the band, you know, the band will dictate that. If there's an opportunity for us to do something meaningful, then we will do it. I mean, yeah. We have the ability to do that, so we're open to all of it. Yeah, if a good opportunity presents Absolutely. itself. Absolutely. Do you have any particularly uh, amusing stories from the road in the, in the past? Anything ever crazy happen? Oh, not really. It was, um, with the band I was in, we had very limited time on the road, so there wasn't a whole lot. Um, I mean, Adam can't, I mean, he's not here to speak for his his own experiences, but right. nothing too crazy. I mean, you're just, you're in a you're in a close quarters with five or six other guys just crammed in there and everybody's... Are you sleeping in the van just, too? Yeah, I mean, some of us did, yeah. Take turns driving, other, other guy sleeps and wake up in California somewhere and you gotta go to the bathroom and... You're, living, you're just eating crappy food. and Yeah, that's the thing about traveling around this country is it gets 
really hard to find good food if you don't mm -hmm. know where to look. That seems like that'd be the most frustrating yeah. part. You're just finding things that are convenient and close to interstates and freeways. And that's it's always going to be like junk food. It's never going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that would be the, if I ever considered touring in any, in any way, that would be like one of the biggest hurdles is, is dealing with that. Yeah. It's hard to maintain a healthy diet, fit lifestyle when you're out there. Yeah, so there's a lot more to be said for building up your following locally. Yeah, be comfortable while you're Staying doing it. Staying in for, home base. Yeah. Just for, for a while anyway. So this next EP coming out later this year, do you have a title for that yet? We are throwing around ideas. We haven't really settled yet. The idea behind it is we're going to talk a lot, um, we're going to talk a lot about just self-discipline and, and appreciating silence and appreciating the art of, of being aware of how words can be very powerful. In one way or another, yeah, and then being um, cognizant of that in all of our conversations and and what we say and how we say it, you know, in, in this day and age, I feel like there's a it's really easy to express your opinion, and you can you can it's a little too it. easy, a little too easy, you know. We have a president that can tweet all the time, and whether everybody's comfortable with that or not, it's it's just a different world we live in now. It's so different, and it, people are very accessible which is a really neat thing, but it's also a very scary thing. And there's a lot of vulnerability out there because of it. So I think with this, some of the lyrics we're talking about, it's okay to have silence. You know, there's a void that's always there and it's, it can be awkward at times, right? But it's okay. It's not, you don't need to, you don't need to assault that silence. You don't have to constantly find a way to, to discreate and get, get rid of it by filling in and just, just by saying whatever you have to say to kill the awkwardness. It's like sometimes it's okay to be quiet, listen, contemplate, formulate an actual, you know, articulated response that's that's that means something, that's that's considering all viewpoints and feelings and passions and positions and all that. And there's there's not as much of that going on. Feel I feel like and I, there's just a lot of reaction versus not a lot of room to pause and right stop and think for a second. Right. So that's kind of the theme that's driving this next. Absolutely. Have you also like written the next batch of songs beyond that already? Are you one of those writers that just you're always itching to record the next thing? Or yeah, I've, we got a few songs tucked away. I think Adam and Teresa have, have um, taken. They have got. They've got some ideas that are really strong. Uh, we've got a couple that are in pre-production that um, I contributed that are that we feel good about. And then who knows? I mean. Well, maybe we'll workshop a couple songs as a band together. It'll be fun to do that. I mean, there's just we're open to doing all things there, any different kinds of way. We all have a different, unique set, set, a talent that we bring to the group, and every single one of us really is just, in my opinion, irreplaceable. You can't remove this person and have it. It's just like a table. You take away one, one, one leg, and one the leg, and the, coming down. Yeah, or it's just gonna not work as well, you know. And I think that's how we look at things as a team, and we all need each other to 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 make the thing go, and we rely on each other that way. And yeah, these are very good people that we're in, I'm in a group with and I'm, I'm lucky to be in a group with and work to work well together and very professional, very polished and smart and not a lot of, there's no real harsh reaction. It's just a, a unified vision and a teamwork atmosphere where we try to find a way to get things done the best way possible. So you try to like lose the ego and, yeah. but yeah, it's, but it's like any other band too. There's, there's pushing and pulling and you gotta kind of, there's an ebb and flow that's, that's involved with any healthy group. 
I was wondering, do you have any advice for other bands just coming up in the Seattle area or otherwise that do the kind of music you do? Like, what mistakes would you say that you've uh, learned from doing this? I think being very thorough in your marketing and, and how you... you can't have, sleep on that. Can't sleep on it. Have a, have a vision for what that is. I mean, if Adam was here right now, he he would... I think what he would say is be very professional in all that you do. You know, be very professional, be consistent in what you do, and... You know, don't you don't don't sleep on it. You know, once you start moving that ball roll, I mean, he responds to everybody. He will respond, or Teresa will respond, um, or I will respond. We'll just respond to people mainly. Them, they're really great at that. They really watch. If there's a person that goes, "Wow, I like this song," he'll find that person. He'll think, "Thank you for liking that song." Try to connect with to connect every one with of your potential fans. It's brilliant, yeah. and it's he's authentic in it. He's not just doing that. Right. To gain a fan, he's doing that because he truly appreciates the fact that someone took the time to say thank you. And that's, people can read that and they can feel that. Yeah, you got to be authentic. You got to be authentic. And I just, so be authentic is, I think, is a, is a very important piece. And be very consistent in your marketing and, and everything counts and getting on pod, you know, talking with folks like yourself and taking the time to learn more about what you're doing and what you're contributing to the scene, how we can work together to, to help each other and to kind of grow something bigger. And because when you start taking it outside of the realm, just is this, you know, how, how big of a reach is this going to be? Oh, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. It's going, no, you, you, every time you contribute to somebody else who's contributing, it's contributing to the broader spectrum of what's going on out there. So everybody kind of works together and it makes something really neat. And it's not just about you. It's about everybody else. Yeah, making meaningful connections. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, write good, write good music. That's yeah, that's, that's that's step number one. Though. Write Don't good music, that part. good content. Got to have good music. Good content. All right. Well, thanks so much for coming on today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. That was a good talk. I had fun. I feel like I could learn a lot from that guy. Oh, by the way, tickets are still available for the April nineteenth Niagara Moon show at the Sunset Tavern in Ballard. If you're in Seattle then, come check us out. If you like this episode of Talking About the Passion and want to support what I'm doing, please write a review on iTunes and subscribe. Also, if you have any suggestions, questions, or anything else for me about the podcast, you can send those on over to Thomas at tatppodcast at gmail.com. The theme song for Talking About the Passion is the Niagara Moon song Pantheon Bar off my recent album Eating Peaches. And the artwork for both this podcast and the album was done by Miranda Harmon. Up now we have another song from Marsalis' debut EP. This is Where I Am.
crash and hit the floor. So pick me up.